This is the Elevate Church Podcast. For a list of messages and for all updates about events and more information, check out our Instagram, Facebook, or visit elevate.city. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Hey, if you got a Bible, pull out your Bible. If you got a phone with the Bible app, pull out your phone with the Bible app. If you don't have either, it's perfectly fine. We're going to have it on the screen for you today. But if you want to follow along, uh, go with me to the book of Luke. We're going to kind of jump around the Gospels a little bit today. We're going to talk about Jesus, our resurrected Savior. It's going to be a great day. Luke chapter 8, verse 2, and it says this, And also a number of women who had been healed of many illnesses under the ministry and set free from demonic power, Jesus had casted out seven demons from one woman, and her name was Mary Magdalene. Now in Luke chapter 7, sorry, is that my fault, John? Give it up for John. Oh, come on, John. It's all good. Now in Luke chapter 7, there's this beautiful story. Jesus is invited to a religious man's house, a Pharisee's house, to have dinner. And while he's there and he's having dinner, a woman with a not good reputation comes in. She comes in with an alabaster box, a box of perfume that's worth two years' wages. We're talking a lot of money. She takes this box and she breaks it over Jesus and anoints his feet. And she takes her hair and she starts cleaning Jesus' feet and she starts kissing his feet and she's honoring Jesus. Now this religious leader is appalled by what's happening because he knows who this woman is and this woman doesn't have a great reputation. But Jesus gives a little story. He says to the religious leader, he says, let's say there's two men and both of them have debts. One has a large debt and one has a very small debt, but both of their debts are forgiven. Who is more grateful for their debt being forgiven? And the religious leader responds, well, of course, it's a man with a larger debt. He would be more grateful for his debt being forgiven. And then he looks at the woman and he says, this woman, she has many sins, a multitude of sins. But today, because of her faith and because of what she's done here to honor me today, her sins are forgiven and they are behind her. And she is grateful for much because her sin has been blotted out today. Now, many theologians debate this topic because this happens in Luke chapter 7. And then in Luke chapter 8, we hear about this woman named Mary Magdalene. And some believe that Mary Magdalene was the one that anointed Jesus' feet. The Bible doesn't clearly say the name of who exactly it was. But all we know is that Mary, that somebody anointed Jesus' feet in Luke chapter 7. And in Luke chapter 8, we find Mary Magdalene. And then we kind of jump ahead into the Gospels, into, Luke, into John chapter 20, verse 11. Go with me there. Verse 11, it says, Mary, meaning Mary Magdalene, was standing outside the tomb crying as she was weeping. And she stopped to look in. And she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and one sitting at the foot of the place where Jesus' body was laying. Dear woman, why are you crying? Asked the angel. Isn't it interesting how the Bible poses questions sometimes and you think, man, doesn't that just make it so simple? Like, obviously, Jesus has passed away and, and she thinks he is gone and she's never going to see him again. And she responds with this, because you have taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know 
where you've put them. See, she had came back on that Sunday to finish the embalming process. See, Jesus had died at such a late hour and such a late time that they weren't able to fulfill the embalming process. So Mary has come back to finish that process so that they can eventually bury Jesus. And I got to believe that somewhere in Mary's heart, Mary's thinking, this is the last opportunity that I have to see him. This is the last time that I get to touch him. The last time that I get to lay my eyes on him. And from this moment, I'll never... I'll never see him again. Verse 14. She turned to leave and she saw one, saw somebody standing there. And it was Jesus. It's Jesus. Do you know what it means that our God is alive? Do you know what it means that our God isn't dead? that our God isn't some statue or some piece of wood, but that our God is alive and that he is well and he defeated death, hell, and the grave. Jesus is alive. And and Jesus is standing right in front of her. In verse 15, in verse 14, it said that she did not recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought it was a gardener, and she said, Sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will go get him. She's totally hysterical right now. She's thinking someone has stolen the body of Jesus. Verse 16, Mary, Jesus says. Mary. It's amazing the moment that we hear God call our name. It's amazing the moment that when the creator of the heavens and the earth and the one who formed you and knows you and intimately puts you together, the moment that you hear in your heart of hearts the Lord say, Jeff, everything stops. And all of a sudden, you know who's talking to you. The Bible says that Jesus says, Mary. And she turned to him and cried out. And the Hebrew said, teacher, verse 17 Jesus replies, don't cling to me, for I haven't ascended to my father. But go and find your brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my father, to your father, to your God, our God. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. Mark chapter 16, verse 9 through 11, it says this. After Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday morning, can we give it up for that? Can we get an amen for that? The first person that saw Mary Magdalene. She's the first person. You know what I love about that? It gives me hope. It gives me confidence. That Jesus chose a woman who had seven demons to be the very first person that would see him resurrected. I'm so thankful that my past and my sin and my junk does not determine what my future looks like. Jesus chose this woman to be the first one in history to lay eyes on the resurrected Savior. Brings hope. Joy to our souls. Verse 10, she went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what happened. But when she told them that they saw Jesus, that he was alive, and she had seen him, they didn't believe her. 
We find Mary, and she's at the tomb, and she's hysterical, and she thinks that someone has stolen the body of Jesus. As if this wasn't enough, the day before, a couple days before, she had seen their Savior, Jesus, her friend, brutally murdered. They watched Jesus be taken from his followers and, and beaten and stripped. They watched Jesus have a crown of thorns jabbed into his skull. They watched Jesus be whipped. They watched Jesus go and carry his cross for miles. They watched Jesus nailed to the cross. They, to the cross. they watched Jesus die a sinner's death. If that wasn't enough, she's now standing at the tomb and she's thinking, someone who in the world would go this low to steal my Savior, to steal his body? But the real question is, why is Mary so, so upset? Why is she hysterical in this moment? Many theologians believe that Mary was actually a prostitute. And as a prostitute, she would give her body to men, obviously, for their personal gain. Jesus was the only person that she had ever experienced from a man that wanted nothing from her. Every man that she had ever met didn't want to give her respect or dignity or significance or true love. And Jesus is the very first man that she has ever experienced that gives her unconditional love and gives her worth, gives her security, gives her hope, gives her a future. Why is she hysterical? Because the one that gave her life is now gone. The one that gave her purpose is no longer here. And I'm sure in her heart of hearts, she thought, if I could just see him one last time, if I can just go to the tomb, if I can just lay eyes on him one last time, it would fulfill my heart. Now, what's interesting is this. In the backdrop of this whole entire weekend, because this is a Interesting weekend, Jesus and the disciples, they come to Jerusalem. They're coming to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And during this time, you know, Jesus is betrayed. Jesus is sold for 30 pieces of silver by Judas. Jesus is taken and brutally murdered. Peter denies even knowing Jesus. Jesus is put to the cross. He dies for our sins. He's the risen Savior, and all this is happening in one weekend. But in the backdrop of this whole entire weekend is this thing called Passover. And a lot of us don't really understand what is Passover. See, Passover is the celebration of what God did for Israel when they were bound as captives. They're, they're celebrating what happened with their ancestors. See, there's this great story in the book of Exodus where God's people are crying out because they've been enslaved for 400 years and they've been crying out for God to send them a savior. And so God raises up Moses, Moses that actually grew up in Egypt. And God takes Moses and he brings him back to Egypt. And Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, listen, set my people free, set God's people free so they can go out into the wilderness and they can worship their God. But Pharaoh goes, no way. It's not going to happen. Not letting these people go. These people are my people. 
So God decides to send plague after plague after plague against Egypt. And Pharaoh works them harder and harder and harder. And the people are looking at Moses like, what are we doing? And Moses is going, just hold on. God will break the back. I promise you. And so the Lord decides, I'll send one last plague. I'll send the angel of death. And the angel of death will come and take the firstborn of all of Egypt. And so God instructs Moses with instructions for the people of Israel for that night that the Lord was going to send the angel of death. And this is what the Bible says was instructed to all of them. The Bible says this, that the Lord told Moses, he said, have every house take a spotless lamb among the flock. Bring that spotless lamb into the home. Shave off all of its wool. Once the wool has been shaven off, I want you to take the legs and, and I want you to tie them so that the, the lamb can't move any longer. Once the lamb has been tied up, I want you to scourge the back of the lamb and put many cuts into the lamb. Once that is finalized, I want you to take the lamb and I want you to put the lamb on a, on a pole. I want you to put the lamb on a piece of wood and I want you to roast the flesh for everybody in the house to see. Then take a bowl of the lamb's blood. Go outside. And paint the blood of the lamb upon your doorpost. And at midnight, when I send the angel of death, you feast. And the angel of death will pass over the houses with the blood of the lamb. And God sent the angel of death. And the angel of death passed over every house of Israel. But he took the firstborn of everyone in Egypt, including Pharaoh's son. And Egypt was destroyed. And God raises up Israel, frees them from their bondage, takes them out, takes the wealth of Egypt, sends it with them. The Bible says that not one of them, not one of them who had been slaves and beaten and overworked, not one of them walked out not healthy and whole. God raises up his people. God's mighty power has been on display. And so Passover is the celebration of how God took his people out of slavery. And I got to believe that Mary and the disciples, they're celebrating this this weekend. Same weekend that Jesus has given his life. And I got to believe that somewhere in their heart of hearts, Mary and the disciples are thinking, what is the point of all this? What's the point of this ritual? What's the point of this day? What's the point of why are we doing this? Jesus, our Savior, is gone. I know that, that God saved our ancestors and blessed our ancestors, but what about us? What about us now? Jesus came. He was supposed to save us, but he has been, he has been murdered, and he is dead, and he is gone. I got to believe that they probably thought this is just a mere exercise, just something that we're going through, some tradition that we're walking through. But I got to believe, if someone could have just been there to connect all the dots. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, 
I loved Connect the Dots. Anybody else love Connect the Dots when you were a kid? Okay. The rest of you are lying. You're just too cool. Okay. I love Connect the Dots because I remember I would see this page and I would see all these dots and I would think to myself, what's it going to be? Is it going to be a spaceship? Is it going to be a basketball player? Is it going to be a car? Is it going to be both? What's it going to be? And I remember, you know, you start putting one to two and two to three and four to five. And, and, and your mind starts to race because you're trying to figure out what is this going to be? I'm trying so hard to look at this paper, these dots, and I know that there's something there. There is an image there that I know if I can just put it all together, I can see the truth. This is exactly what's happening. If someone could have just said, Mary, guys, let me show you the truth about Passover. It's not about Moses. It's not about Israel. It's about Jesus. See, the Bible, from the beginning to the end, speaks about Jesus, testifies about Jesus, speaks about the goodness of Jesus. What's happening in the Old Testament is a precursor for what's going to happen in the New Testament. It's always, always, always about Jesus. Always. See, they didn't see it. They didn't see that Jesus was taken from his flock just like the Passover lamb is taken from the flock. They didn't see that Jesus was taken from that. And at the same time that Jesus entered Jerusalem in the same gate as the natural Passover lamb was being brought in, at the same time, the same weekend as Passover lamb was being prepared to take the sins of Israel, Jesus, the lamb of God, was being prepared to take the sin of all mankind. See, the Passover just covered sin. But Jesus was being prepared to take sin, eradicate sin, so that we could live free and forevermore. If they would have just seen that Jesus was taken and he was stripped, just like the wool was stripped off of the Passover lamb. If they would have just seen Jesus get tied to the post just like the lamb is tied to the post. Jesus whipped and scourged 39 lashes. If they could have just seen that Jesus that was on that, on that, on that pole and they're whipping him with metal and their glass and there's nails woven into it. And Isaiah 52, it prophesied that Jesus would be beaten beyond recognition. If they could have just seen, if their eyes could have just been opened, if they could have just seen that Jesus being placed upon the wood just as the lamb is placed upon the wood, Jesus enduring the fire of a painful death, enduring the fire of humiliation, enduring the passion, enduring it all. If they could have just seen that the Passover was all about Jesus, And it was happening right in front of their eyes. If somebody could have just connected the dots and realized that Jesus embraced the cross willingly, 
that Jesus blamed no one, but forgave everyone, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their race, regardless of their creed. That's my favorite thing about Jesus, is that Jesus is pro-world in Jesus' name. Can we get an amen for that? Jesus is pro-people. But all Mary and the disciples could see was Jesus' death. Jesus is right there. They couldn't see his victory, his deliverance, his resurrection. See, the reality is this, is that Mary needed to see the empty tomb because Mary needed a new perspective about who her God was, just like many of us do. She didn't realize that the very person she was looking for was standing in front of her the whole time. She looks to somebody that she believes is a gardener. Same thing we do in life. Life's troubles and hardships come. We have ups and we have downs and we have a lot of days that doesn't make sense and a lot of things happen in this life that we can't really connect all the dots and we're trying to wonder how it all plays together and so we start running to family members and we run to people because we love the tangible we love that we can grab somebody we love that we can go to coffee and talk to them face to face eye to eye we love the tangible and so she's doing the exact same thing she sees this gardener she's thinking you gotta help me you got to help me understand because I don't see it. I don't get it. I don't understand why Jesus is gone. And the whole time Jesus is standing in front of her. And the whole time Jesus is always standing in front of us. Jesus is always there to go, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I'll bring you understanding. I'll bring you peace. I'll bring your joy. I'll be your satisfaction. I'll fill your soul. I'll make you complete. I'll make you whole. But I'm standing here and I'm right in front of you and sometimes we don't even recognize that Jesus is right there for us and Mary's looking at him and Jesus says Mary Mary she can't see him because she can't recognize him but she recognizes what his voice because you recognize the voice of a good father a good father's voice is always tender and with love and with care and with kindness. And she recognizes the voice of Jesus. And her heart is full because she realizes that Jesus is alive. That he's alive and he is well. And she goes to grab on to Jesus. And in verse 17, Jesus says this. It's so interesting what Jesus says in verse 17. He says, don't cling to me, Jesus says. She must have thought, there's no way that I'm ever allowing Jesus out of my side again. I'm going to grab him. I'm going to hold on to him. I'm never going to let go of Jesus again. But Jesus is saying to Mary, and he's saying to us, and he's saying to his disciples, I need you to have a new perspective in this life. I am not going to allow Mary, disciples, or anybody in humanity to put me into a box. I just stepped out of the grave. I'm not letting anybody put me back in. I am the resurrection of of the life that you need. He's trying to get Mary, the disciples, all of us to get out of our religion, to get out 
of our traditions. So I love Easter. I love celebrating Jesus. But there's a lot of things about Easter. I'm like, man, I just don't understand. Like, like you might love the Easter bunny, but I'm not a big fan of the Easter bunny. I think he's super creepy looking, to be honest with you, okay? You know? Like, I just don't think, like, yeah, I want my kids to go sit on that guy's lap. You know what I mean? It's just... We have Easter egg hunts, and we buy pretty outfits, and we have great lunches, and we have great family moments, and we have great traditions. And I think for a lot of us, that's what Easter really is. But I believe in my heart of hearts, Jesus, the one that performed miracles, Jesus, that healed people. That literally brought dead people back to life. The one who healed those who were oppressed by the devil. Jesus who healed and restored. Everything that Jesus did, it was to heal and restore. Heal and restore. Heal and restore. That Jesus, that Jesus doesn't want us just to celebrate church. That Jesus isn't interested in us just having pretty traditions. That Jesus wants us to have a new perspective that he is a resurrection and that he is alive. That anything is possible in Christ Jesus. There is nothing that is too large for our king. There is nothing in this world that our God can't heal and restore. And I know when I look into a room like this, there are so many stories across this room of hurt and pain and rejection and moments in life that we don't understand and we don't get. I didn't understand when my dad left. I didn't understand when my grandparents passed away. I didn't understand when I felt rejection in high school. I didn't understand these things. My God is bigger than every one of those moments. My God is the God who heals. My God is the one that gives me the grace to write my dad a letter and forgive him. My God is the one that helps me to get past my hurt and my pain and my shame. My God is bigger. And God's going, don't put me into a box any longer. Don't put me into the Easter tradition any longer. I am alive and I am well and I am God of the impossible. And if you'll just believe on me in faith, you will see impossible things happen through me. Mary and the disciples needed what? A new perspective. I can feel it deep in my soul. I've been feeling it for years and years and years. And I know we say this in church all the time, but I know that I know that I know that we are so close to the coming of Jesus. I can feel him. I can feel him reaching out to the world. I can feel him reaching out to humanity. I can feel him reaching into the world going, I'm coming. I'm coming. And he needs a group of people. He needs a church that will believe it too. He needs a church that won't just settle for cute Sunday mornings. He needs a church that believes 
that the Bible says he heals because Jesus was whipped with 39 lashes. So if he was whipped so that we could be healed, then I'm going to believe that he heals. And I'm going to believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And I don't care. I don't care what other people say. And I don't care what other people believe. I'm going to believe the Bible for what it is. I'm going to believe the word of God. And the word of God says that he heals and he restores and he renews. Then I'm going to stand upon it. And I'm going to stand upon truth. It might not be what I want to hear, but Jesus is everything I need in my life. The word of God might not be relevant in 2019 to 2019 culture, but I don't care. I need the word of God. I need his direction. I need the Holy Spirit. I need him to fill and satisfy my soul. I need him to be alive and well in me. And he needs us to be alive and well in him so that we can take Jesus to a dying, hurting world that needs to see the reality of what true love is. This is what, this is what Mary found. She found somebody that loved her unconditionally. That's what Jesus is. And Jesus wants to take you out of your box. He wants you to know that if you'll give me your life, I'll do exceedingly abundantly more with it than you could ever possibly imagine. Why don't you stand this morning, worship team? Why don't you come on up? You know what I love about Jesus? I love that he's so happy with all of us here today. I don't remember your name. What was your name, Thomas? I remember when I shook your hand this morning, I just felt the Lord just go, I love Thomas. I'm so proud of Thomas. I'm with Thomas. I'm for Thomas. He really loves you. He really loves you. We have this crooked view of who our God is. We all grow up in church thinking that God is mad at us or he's frustrated with us or he's disappointed in us. And he says, no, I took all your sin. I took all your shame. I bore it in my body and I nailed it to the cross. When I said it was finished, it was finished. I love the word of God says, what can separate us from his love? Can life, can death, heaven, hell? I mean, what, what, can, what can separate us from the love of the Father? The only thing that can separate us is us, our choice. Jesus paid it all. Jesus chose you. Jesus believed in you, but before you believed in yourself, Jesus loved you before you even knew anything about him. Jesus gave his life for you. Jesus did it all for you and for me and for us just to go, yeah, I believe. 
Thanks for listening to Elevate Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for service on Sundays or at a dinner party on Friday nights. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, or website at elevate.city for more information.